Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Brighton is one of the fastest growing places in Northumberland County. With all the development taking place, Town Council is continuing to examine how it looks after the health and wellness of residents. As you will hear in this interview, Mayor Brian Ostrander will explain how, under the old system, the town was not creating sufficient green space. He also knows residents are looking for more recreational opportunities. You will hear what is being considered under the new Parks and Recreation Master Plan. Its aim is to improve facilities and opportunities for everyone. Have a listen. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Brighton Mayor Brian Ostrander. Welcome back to Consider This. Always a pleasure, Robert. Happy to be here. What was the genesis of this Parks and Recreation Master Plan? Well, there was a lot of talk uh, in the, not the last campaign, but the campaign before, uh, people asking us, you know, what what are the plans? We've got an old arena, with a fairly new community center, you know, certainly put on in the last 12 years or so, um, an older, an older curling club, um, no aquatics in the community. What's the plan? And so when we, um, when we formed our strategic plan in the last term of council, we included you know, things like trails and biking paths and um, additional parkland um, and, uh, you know, a step to start the thinking process around a pool, around an aquatic center. Um, and that led to, you know, obviously we need to take a deeper dive into this. That's not a, you know, that's not just digging a hole in the ground and filling it with water. That's a, that's a, that's a real uh, operational and capital investment. So, um, so we started down the path with, you know, combining those those ideas: parkland, trails, and and uh, and multi-use center, including ice and pool and 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 um, fitness into, you know, an overall master plan for the community from a parks and recreation standpoint. I guess the big question always is in things like this is how do you balance the expectations of the community with the political realities of council? Well, one one hopes that the community's expectations and the council's political realities align. I mean, that's where we're we're elected to represent uh, the people of Brighton and if, if the ideas of the community aren't aligned with council, then we've, we've got a serious disconnect. So I, I do think that generally, um, both the last council and this council have a fairly decent alignment with the community's concepts. There's, there's people in the community who will never want a pool. And uh, you know whether they swim or they don't swim, they don't want the costs uh, associated with that because it is a significant cost and we know that. Uh, but Brighton's a growing community and we have certain responsibilities to um, to Brightonians, new and old, uh, to ensure that we're providing the proper services and the proper infrastructure 
including parks and recreation infrastructure, as we are um, as we are commanded to do by the good people of Brighton. So, um, the the only the I guess the only conflicting pressure it's not the pressures between community and council. We we really do believe those are aligned. The conflict is is between what we want to do and what we can afford to do. These things cost a lot. I mean, we watched the the CCC being built in uh, in Coburg, and uh, it's become just an incredible expense over not just when it was built, uh, but over time in terms of maintenance and upkeep and all these good things. How do you bring those two things into alignment, and what sort of costs are we are we looking at when we talk about some of the plans that you have? So we're we're going to need to take a deeper dive into that. We've got some sort of you know global hundred thousand foot level numbers, but you know at the end of the day, when we're talking about a, a project that could take 10, 15, 20 years, we don't know what those numbers will really look like. I mean, you you you, you could have told me that um, asphalt was the price it was today uh, three years ago. I would have thought you were crazy, but here we are in a hyperinflationary world. So we know we really just don't know what the real cost will be. What we do know is that nothing's going to get cheaper. So, uh, you know, we need to start saving money today, putting money into reserves so that we can afford um, a project uh, when the time comes. And we, we know we'll go uh, to our federal and provincial friends and ask them to, to help out. And, you know, um, often we see uh, granting and funding models for capital projects of this nature uh, for Parks and Rec. It usually happens once every three or four years. Um, maybe that aligns with an election cycle and maybe it doesn't. Uh, the cynic in me would say it frequently does, but um, I think I think the province and the, the feds recognize the, the impact, the important impact of uh, infrastructure development from a local point of view and, and what it means when we put people to work uh, building multi-use centers like this. So uh, I would anticipate we'd see some sort of granting model in the next couple of years. Um, and we'll want to be ready for that. Um, even if it's, you know, updating parks, even if it's updating trails, we'll want to be ready for that. Uh, or even if we're not ready for a big uh, multi-use center yet. Although I think, um, I think from a timeline perspective, um, as with all things municipal infrastructure, we're already behind the eight ball. Do you think there'll be a component of, of public fundraising as well to, to finance this? Do you see that as a, a component? It certainly is, a, is an incredible opportunity. And if, if we can get, you know, all of the sports uh, folks and all of the recreation folks and all of the fitness folks involved in this, I think we would have a, a, um, an easy time raising significant dollars toward a project like this. And if we can get some excitement behind it, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see the money come fairly quickly. So absolutely, if, if, if we can get, you know, municipal government money behind it, federal, provincial government money behind it, and, and locals in the community uh, saying, this is a good idea, here's my check. Um, we can make this happen. I'd like to talk now a little bit more in depth about some of the specifics. And can you talk a bit about the town's predicament when it comes to parkland? In the past, there were parks created like King Edward and others. So you have several other smaller spaces as well, but plus that there's all this new development. So how do you bring all those elements together into a comprehensive plan for parks? So what, what we've got are recommendations through this master plan, recommendations to amend the, uh, the official plan uh, that would allow us to make changes to land use planning policies, to incorporate, um, to adopt new and, and better land use planning policies for 
for more and better parkland and for tree preservation in the community. Um, and, and we wanna see that happen. I, I think our current policy made a lot of sense 30 years ago and that policy was let's take money from developers so that we can buy a large chunk of land for a large um, piece of parkland at some point in the future. We've been doing that for 20 years. Um, but I think the, the new developments, the people moving into the new developments are scratching their heads and saying, well, there's a lot of houses, but there's nowhere for my kids to play. Uh, unless I put them in the car and I drive them to King Edward Park, or I put them in the car and drive them to one of the other parks. Uh, and I don't think that's fair, first of all. And it's not really terribly environmentally sound. Um, 30 years ago, we weren't thinking, we should have been, but we weren't thinking as much about uh, what happens when we put the kids in the car and drive somewhere. So today, um, and certainly this council has had a, a, a real push, uh, even early on, to say, let's change our policies to ensure that we have parklands in our developments so people can walk to their playground. What are some of the natural heritage systems that exist in Brighton and how are they being integrated into these plans? And we've been working on, on that level of integration for a long time in Brighton and it's working, it's working well as, as with all things, it's slower than we'd like it to be, but um, because we do depend on developers to build out for that um, natural progression, it, it is taking time. So a good example is our Butler Creek trail system, which, um, currently runs from uh, Main Street near the near the Health Services Center, all the way down to um, Harbor Street at the at the mouth of of and into the bay. So that's that's it follows Butler Creek. Now there are there are divorced paths on private property that have yet to be developed. Um, so the, there are different links along the way, and um, you know the most recent link will be developed out uh, when the development on Cedar Street. Uh, comes to fruition here in the next couple of years. And we have we have those agreements signed with that developer. And so we're ready to go. Um, and we know that the next step uh, will be to the north and uh, and west of that. And um, that should complete uh, if we get if we get all those links in, that should complete that trail. So I would guess in the next 15 or so years we'd have a we'd have a completed link. What about environmentally protected lands? How do those kind of fit into the thing, kinds of things we've been talking about so far? Sure. Well, I, I think I think developers would very much like us to to say, oh, hey, that's you know that's natural land. Those are environment, and we can use those as park spaces. But but that's not an active park space. It's it's passive. It's it's really meant as buffer uh, between a development and a and a sensitive area. And while it certainly can be used um, by people uh, in a recreational sense, it's not active parkland. And, and so we, we've been pushing back on developers to say, um, true, it's nice and green, but it's not the parkland dedication that we, we require. Something we don't think a lot about, but is also important, is the preservation of trees. And that was part of the report. Brighton has some very beautiful and old trees. What are your plans for those and any new plantings that may go on? Well, certainly um, this report, uh, as I think I mentioned, this report um, recommends a tree preservation plan and that we encapsulate that into the official plan. And I think that's a really good idea. We certainly see um, that land use planning uh, practices today uh, seem to be um, clear cut and go. And, and I get that, uh, you know, from a, 
I'm, I'm putting up a bunch of houses. It's, it's a lot easier to do if I don't have to do it around trees. Um, but from an environmental sensitive point of view and from a, you know, pe people don't want trees taken down and for good reason, you know, the, the, these are the, these are the lungs of the earth. So um, even, even in small swaths, if we start taking down a number of small swaths, then we start taking down um, the ability for our little community to uh, refresh the air. So we'll be working with developers, we'll be setting new policies, and we'll be uh, endeavoring to make sure that as many trees that, that can be preserved will be preserved. I'd like to go back and talk a little bit more about this multi-use recreational center, because um, there there was talk, I think, in 2012 uh, about the King Edward facility, and there was also this idea of, of using existing facilities. Now, the town already has the YMCA, there's the school, there's other facilities. How viable is this now and going into the future as you prepare your plans for a possible uh, multi-use recreation center? Well, so, so you're quite right, but what we have are, you know, many things in many areas. And I, and I think there is this want from the community's perspective to, to bring things together. And certainly there are, there are efficiencies to be had when, when we put things under one roof. Um, I can't presuppose what another organization will do, but we would certainly want to partner with our YMCA uh, friends in anything we do from, uh, both a capital and an operational perspective, um, we 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 have a we have a good working relationship with the YMCA, the Northumberland YMCA. They do have a location here in the community, and I think it would be um, it would be advantageous for everyone if uh, if we found a, a home a new home for them that that was larger and could accommodate more members, um, and could allow them to to help us operate. Um, certain aspects of of a new uh, recreational complex, and then by moving them uh, to a, to a larger, newer location, it would then also allow us to expand uh, our our health services offering at the current location. So, you know, I don't want anyone to get upset. We have we have a lot of hand wringing goes on when we start talking about moving the YMCA. Um, we're not looking to kick anyone out here. Uh, we're we're just we're just trying to project into the future about what tomorrow looks like and and what that partnership with the YMCA will look like in a new facility. There are a number of small yet very interesting items in the study. One of them was uh, a volunteer recreation program. What what was that all about? Well, you know, we we do a very good job of collaborating with with the user groups, the the sports teams, the the minor sports groups, et cetera, et cetera. But we really don't have anything uh, in, officially in policy that says that thou shalt collaborate. Um, uh, so so you know, we've got a good practice of doing it. But I think um, what the the authors of the report had in mind was, you know, what happens if the, the current collaborators disappear and and now suddenly we, we have a new person in the office or maybe new new leadership at, at the sports level and and we're not officially collaborating well if we have in policy that we must then then it, it provides that um, that opportunity for everyone to say well hey folks we we actually need to sit down together and have these conversations to make sure we're not tripping over each other and, and to make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're doing what is expected of us as a municipality and vice versa. 
that is user groups, you're doing what, what you, everything you can um, to keep the area and the, the properties clean and tidy and maintained, but also um, to make sure that, you know, fees and charges are being set at an appropriate level. There's all sorts of things we can do from a collaborative point of view. What do you see the role of Presqu'ile Park being? Well, Presqu'ile is our jewel, um, but but it's a provincial asset. So, uh, you know, it what, what Presqu'ile does is offer a, a huge draw to Brighton. Um, and and provides Brightonians with with incredible opportunity uh, to wander through nature, um, but from a municipal asset point of view, it's um, it's it's it, it well it's not it's, it's it's not a municipal asset, so it is a it is a great opportunity, um, but it does not provide us with that uh, that recreational space from a municipal perspective that we know we need. There's always a list of wants versus can-dos. What's on the list of wants that needs to get done? Well, you, you've probably read the report, Robert. <laughs> it's it's quite the list of wants. Um, uh, and, and, and none of them can get done today. We know that. Um, every, everything requires money. Um, so, you know, would, would we all like uh, the Cadillac of of recreational spaces in our community? Of course we would. Uh, will we have to live with what we've got today for a while longer? We will. Uh, but what this report does and what these recommendations do is set us on the right course uh, to implement policy for, for reserve fund savings um, so that we can have a, a modern updated recreational um, complex and, and modern updated recreational trails um, and, and bike paths and park spaces. What's the role of growth? I know Brighton's very much a growing community and there's lots of development pressures. How does that tie into the, the master plan? Because obviously, you know, as, as every year goes by, more and more people are living in Brighton and et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think, I think it's growth that has very much led us to the need for this master plan. Um, I, I think if if we if we go back 25 years, uh, the population of the day would have been fine with what we had. Uh, but it is it is the growth pressures that have led us down down this path uh, for more paths and more trails and more parkland and more more stuff uh, from a recreational perspective. Um, and certainly, growth was helping to help fund that in the in the. Uh, uh, in our predecessor development charges regime. Um, we're trying to figure out what the new regime will look like and, and whether we have opportunity to um, save money or, or, or uh, direct revenue to the municipality from a development perspective um, for recreational purposes. There seems to be some concern that that's not going to be able to happen. And yet I'm hearing there's another funding model that, that maybe we can initiate that will help do that. So, uh, right now, under the new planning policies, provincial planning policies, a lot of balls are in the air, and um, a lot of a lot of chat is going on. <laughs> Where do you see the challenges going forward? Uh, money, money is always the challenge, um, and and land. Um, you know, both bo both are uh, reasonably finite resources. Certainly, from a land perspective, we know uh, we know God God ain't ma ma making any more of it. So. Um, we'll, we'll need to uh, ensure that 
um, from a municipal land banking perspective, we are including that in our in our future thinking. Um, and you know, uh, we we know there's only one taxpayer, and and everyone feels tapped out at the end of the year. So uh, we have to be very careful on how we raise these funds and um, um, how we do so. What's next then for the Parks and Recreation Master Plan? Um, well, the, I think there's a number of uh, of courses we're going to take. Uh, one will be to start implementing the recommendations uh, from a policy perspective. Um, certainly, we're going to want to see, um, from a budgetary perspective, our, our finance staff uh, making recommendations at budget time at the end of the year uh, for, for savings purposes. And I know that our planning staff is already um, considering the implications for a new official plan. We're probably not going to make official plan amendments based on this, but we will be doing a, an updated official plan soon. So we will endeavor to incorporate those uh, those recommendations into that new official plan for Brighton. Brian Ostrander, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert. It's always a pleasure. That was Brighton Mayor Brian Ostrander. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.